0: If you have your Bible this morning, I'd ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Let me kind of set this up for a minute. This uh, paragraph uh, is where Paul winds up kind of his uh, message to those that were not getting along in the Corinthian church. They were having all kinds of arguments. They were fussing and fighting all the time. They had formed different groups. Some said, I follow Paul. Some said, I follow Apollos. Some said, I follow Cephas. Some said, we're much more spiritual than you guys. We follow Jesus. We're in Jesus' group. Well, there were Gnostics uh, that were present in the congregation, and they wanted to tell everybody that they knew so much more than anybody else. And for them to mature in their faith, they had to learn what the Gnostics knew. So everywhere you turn in that Corinthian church, there were problems, and Paul addressed that. This letter, the letter to the Corinthian church, just deals with one issue right after another. It helps us very, very much today as we look at our church, as we look at what we're doing We want to take heed to what Paul is saying. We want to follow his leadership and his guidance in how we should address the issues that comes before us. Well, there's another problem that is bubbling up by this time in the Corinthian church, and it is how should the people get along with the apostles? How should they relate to Paul? Now remember, Paul is the one that went to Corinth, that led some people to Christ, formed a little tiny church, helped uh, those people grow in their faith. He continued to go out witnessing, telling the message. People were saved, people were baptized, people joined the church. Apollos came in right after uh, Paul left, and he continued the work continued to lead people to the Lord. He continued to teach them how to be a church, how to follow Christ, what the message of the cross was all about. And it just it went on and on. Well, as the days passed, the arguments and the contentiousness uh, grew. Well, look at verse 1. Uh, how then should a man think of us? Now this is Paul writing. The us here stands for the apostles. How then should a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, how should they relate to us as apostles? Well, what the Lord really wants from his church is he wants you to follow spiritual leadership. In every church, there ought to be some spiritual leadership. And we want to follow uh, those people. Uh, That's what Paul was saying. Uh, That was the message of this uh, book. You know, they didn't know anything until he taught them. You know, uh, churches have all kinds of issues. Sometimes they'll fight over whether we should build a pool or not. We have a real nice big church here. Do we need a pool? And some people would say, yeah, we need a pool. And others would say, that is utterly ridiculous. What does that have to do with the gospel? Let them go to the Y if they want a pool. Well, there's a big argument uh, in a particular church in Houston. and uh, They had a big fight over it, big, big fight over whether or not to have a pool. You know, they thought, well, there's only one way we can go. We can either go pro-pool or against pool. (laughs) Well, somebody should have stood up and said, I believe there's a third option. And people would say, well, what is that? And he would say, we ought to love one another. Now, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a real heated, uh, nasty business meeting or not. Have you ever been in one of those? Raise your hand. Well, now you know. You know, we, we need somebody to say, well, what about loving each other? What about that as an option? That uh, is what uh, Paul would su- support. I know of a number of churches that have had big arguments over whether or not you ought to call out the number of the next hymn. I was in a church when there was a big contentiousness about whether we ought to have a screen or not. You know, they didn't have a screen in the Bible. They didn't have a screen when churches started in America. We don't need a screen. Well, in some churches, they put up a screen, much to the dismay of some of the members. Well, now, almost any church you go in in America, there's a screen. I'm sure glad they fought through that air conditioning thing before I started. (laughs) You know, I, I know they didn't have air conditioning in the first century, but I'm glad we do now. Well, uh Paul is drawing uh a picture here for us. Uh he is talking to them about the conclusions of the proper attitude of Christians toward their ministers. Uh the us as I've mentioned referred to the apostles that had led out in the Corinthian church. He's talking uh about Christian leaders. Now, many of you have been leaders in churches all of your life. You maybe were converted as a child, and as you grew up, you took positions of leadership in the church. Some of you, I know, are deacons, and you were ordained perhaps when you were uh, 19 years old or something like that. You've been a leader in churches for a long, long time. Well... Paul deals with this question because a lot of the Corinthians were having a big problem with it. Uh, Paul says, still in verse 1, we are to be thought of as Christ's servants. Christ's servants. Now, you know what the word servant means. It means that you don't have your own program. You follow the Lord's program. You don't have your own agenda, your own, uh, plan for how everything ought to go. You follow the plan of the head of the house. If you're a servant, you, you follow top, top down. Well, the servant, uh, has no significance of his own. It's really hard to think that way if you've been a leader. It's really hard to think that way if you're real smart. It's real hard to think that way if you have given your best to the church for a long, long time. You've tithed to the church. You've given to all the special offerings that the church would have. Uh, You're in a leadership position. Uh, The servant, uh, Paul is saying, really doesn't have a lot of significance in the church. And he said, I'm a servant. Now, I don't know, but I don't think they expected him to say that. They probably accepted him to say, I'm the leader, dadgummit. Follow me. Do what I say. Well, Paul didn't do that. You know, if you look at uh, verse 1, he says we are thought of as Christ's servants. The servants has no significance in and of himself. It's not his plan. It's the boss's plan, the leader's plan. The work is done uh, not because he wanted it done, but because the master wanted it done. Well, apostolic ministry is marked by the fact that it makes no claims for itself. What the apostles did is they pointed people away from themselves and toward Jesus. Now, if we all would do that, and I know that we all kind of stumble at points along the way. I know I have, and I know you have. But if we can kind of keep it in the forefront of our minds, we're supposed to point people toward Jesus, not toward ourselves. You know, if a pastor of a church leaves and the attendance goes down 50%, there's something radically wrong there. You know, that that meant that the church was following the particular pastor. That's not good. You know, we want to be following Jesus. We want to be growing in his word. We want to be following his spirit. That's the way it ought to work in every church all around the world. The work done is not his work, but the master's work. The apostolic ministry uh, is uh, making no claims for itself, but pointing people to Jesus. Stewards, stewards of God's mysteries. What does that mean? Notice that stewards is plural. There's not just one steward that knows the mysteries of God. It's many stewards. Uh, For instance, the apostles. They all knew the mysteries of God. They all tried to follow uh, the word of God, the spirit of God, the message of God. They all tried to do that. The church today uh, tries as best it can to put out the gospel everywhere. The New Testament church was called the Ecclesia, those that are called out uh, from the body, those that have been called by God to be a part of the family of God. Now, Ashara is a part of our family. She's a sister. When you see her, why don't you say, Hello, Sister Shara? because she certainly is one of us. Uh, This was all fashioned in New Testament times by the Greek city-state. They had an idea about how things ought to be uh, run, and they believed uh, many times in voting on things. And they would follow uh, votes. If you got 51% of the votes, then that's uh, what carried the day. But you know what I noticed uh, in the Bible? Many times the majority is wrong. Have you ever been in a church where, you know, they voted overwhelmingly for something and it didn't take very long for everybody to realize, well, we made a mistake there. I was in a church in Waco, Texas when I was in Baylor and the pastor of the church wanted uh, them to have a medical component to their church. He wanted them to have a full-time nurse on duty that people in the church could come and see, a doctor on call uh, that could uh, be there in just a few minutes. He wanted uh, there to be a nice waiting room and a nice office and this and that. Well, when you added it all up, it's about a half a uh, million dollars. He had plans for a lot of stuff. Well, there were three or four uh, MDs in the church. And when it came down to the business meeting, I just thought, well, you know, pastor wants this, it's going to fly through. Well, one of those doctors got up and said, you know, there's a hospital five minutes from here. We don't need this. And then another one of the doctors got up and said, you know, hospitals have emergency rooms and there's always a doctor there. You don't have to call. And then if he's out of town or something, you don't have a doctor. And then the third doctor got up, and he said something. Well, guess what? That thing didn't fly, and uh, they voted it down. The vast minority of the people changed the whole direction of the thing, and they were right. The minority was right. Sometimes churches uh, uh, make mistakes. Uh, God is always right. Always has been, always will be. Amen. But sometimes God stands alone. And we haven't thought it through or prayed it through or moved in the right direction or whatever. And uh, we just haven't gotten the message about some particular thing. Don't worry so much about uh, some small tribe somewhere in the world. We, we want to obviously send missionaries everywhere. But our first concern ought to be that we are right with the Lord. We are. You know, we have a group on Monday mornings that uh, prays for revival in our church, in our town, in our state, in our nation, literally around the world. We're praying for that every week, that there be a great revival. Well, that's what we need. Um, You know, the, the Lord is going... To work with us if we're open to that you know some people get real concerned about other people but they don't know anything they don't know how to witness to them they don't know any theology they've gotten all hyped up about something but they don't know hardly anything you know the first thing that you ought to do is learn a few things study a few things read the word of god get in a bible study group Get in a Sunday school class. You know, these Sunday school classes that we have are very important. That's where you learn, where you discuss uh, things that you need to know. I One of my fondest hopes is that year by year, we will grow to a greater percentage of our folks going to the Bible study prior to this service. It starts at 9 o'clock. We have some great classes, some great teachers. You can really grow in the Lord. You know, if the only instruction that you're getting is a 30-minute sermon every week, then, you know, the the growth will take uh, 4,700 years. <laughs> you need more than that. You know, you need uh, some added help along the way. The revealed truth, God's mysteries. You need to know the sophisticated, mature things that uh, are in the Bible, and you need to know how to, explain them what they mean. Uh, that's very important. Christian leaders today have that same responsibility. Uh, we we need to have people that have really grown in their faith to represent us at different things. We had a meeting with the hospital uh, head uh, guy this week, and I was so proud uh, of our guys. We had uh, four guys went over there and We talked to him, had a great meeting, talking about us parking on their property. When they built that new wing over there, uh, we had about 60 cars over here every day for three months. We didn't charge them anything. We let them park because we wanted to have a great relationship with the hospital. They have meetings here uh, in our church all the time, and we smile and make coffee for them, try and make them feel welcome. In response... We hope that they will not worry about us parking over there on Sunday morning. There's a three-hour window when most of the doctors are not there, uh, where the parking lot is 90% open, that as our church continues to grow, uh, some of us can park over there and just walk over. It's not very far at all. Well, that's important. We have... Christian leaders have responsibilities to represent us in the marketplace of everyday life. Paul's point here is sufficiently evident. He is uh, not expected uh, as a servant to run everything. He said, now I'll give some advice, I'll give some help, I'll give some counsel, but uh, I'm not trying to run everything. Uh, it was not expected that a steward would exercise his own initiative and do kind of a uh, under the curtain kind of thing. We don't need that in our church. We we certainly don't need to go by the authority of those that uh, have not been put in places of leadership. Uh, it's expected that we would do the master's bidding. Well, who's the master? It's not me, it's not Tom, it's not Jim, it's not your Sunday school teacher, it's the Lord. The Lord is our master, is our boss, so to speak. The question is, by whose standards of trustworthiness are we to be judged? Look at verse 3. Paul answers uh, his own question here. He says, to me, it is a matter of the... It is, to me... It is a matter of the smallest importance that I should be examined by you or by any human evaluation. Now, what Paul is saying here is, uh, you know, if you've got opinions about me, uh, you can tell me anything you'd like, but I'm not following you. I'm trying to follow the Lord, what the Lord would have me to do. And to be Uh, any human evaluation, Paul is saying, that's not what we go by. It's like the minority thing. You know, sometimes the vast majority is wrong. And if you have a strong sense that God is leading you, you need to perhaps continue to move in that direction. If Paul had attended to all the criticisms of himself and his work, within just the churches he had worked with, he'd have to resign his missionary work. He'd have to spend uh, 90% of his time dealing with all the criticisms that were coming his way. I have had a jillion criticisms in my life. I pastored a church in Fayetteville, Georgia. And my whole ministry, I had worn uh, blue shirts, blue long sleeve shirts. Well, the first Christmas I was there, when Christmas time came, guess what? I got five white shirts <laughs> as presents. Very subtle. That group was very subtle. Five white shirts. I never wore another blue shirt. I wore white shirts, uh, from then on. Well, Paul was uh, not thick-skinned, but simply recognized the truth that a man is not qualified to act as his brother's judge. It's a reasonable inference that the uh, criticism of the apostle, uh, which is just really getting going uh, by the time he writes this first letter, by the time he writes the second letter, it's a war. They're having a war in this Corinthian church. Against the apostles of all things. If we are serving Christ today. Uh, we can count on a lot of criticism. That's all there is to it. I took some physical therapy for the last uh, month. Because I had evidently strained something in my shoulder. So I went. and Every week it was the same people and they are doing exercises. And uh, one lady that was in it, she cussed all the time. I was in there doing exercises. I didn't want to listen to her cussing. And uh, so I thought, should I say something to her? And I thought, hmm. <laughs> no, maybe not. I did give her a look or two. <laughs> and I noticed it got better. So maybe that helped. Paul said he didn't care what people said. He didn't care. The Lord had called him to do what he was doing, and he was going to continue doing it. That's all there was to it. He was going to let the chips fall where they would. Now, we cannot, cannot please everybody. We just can't do it. I'm wearing white shirts, though. I I want to please as many as I can. Paul says, uh, continuing in verse 3, Nay, indeed, I do not even examine myself. Now that's interesting. He says, I don't examine myself. Verse four, for though I have nothing on my conscience. In other words, he's not worried about some past thing. He evidently found forgiveness for that and now he's moved on. He's not fretting and stewing, worrying about something all day long. He's left that behind. Now, if every one of you would do that, your life would be, what, 25%, 50% better. If you wouldn't worry about what so many other people are worried about. You know, if you're following the Lord, you ought to be happy about it. You ought to find joy in that. Just continue to follow Him as best you can. It is not by that that I am justified. By his own conscience. He says that that doesn't justify me. Justification is an act of God. Not an act of men. An act based on. Not based on man's sinlessness. But on God's grace. We think. Uh, well I've been good all week. Uh, I'm justified. Well you don't make that decision. You know, I hate to tell you, but you don't make that decision. God makes that decision. And uh, we're never going to make that decision. We can do the best we can, but justification is in the hands of our Lord. It's not in our hands. For Paul's, uh, only the Lord is in a position to pass judgment. He who examines, in verse 4, he who examines me is the Lord. Anything that is done by way of interrogation ought to be done by the Lord. Uh, That is Christ, who is the judge of all men. Years ago, thousands and thousands of people wore a little uh, armband. It had WWJD. You remember that? How many of you ever wore one of those? A few of you have. Well, a lot of you have. Uh, In case you missed it. Uh, that was, what would Jesus do? They wore a little bracelet. I wore one for uh, about six months, I think. Uh, what would Jesus do? And, you know, if you've got that on your arm, you look at it every once in a while and think, well, what, what would Jesus do? I'm in this situation. What would Jesus do? Well, that's what you want to do. It is not the business of Christians to judge their brothers. Look at verse 5. So do not judge anything before the time. Some of us have uh, portable judgment seats. (laughs) We carry those around with us. And we're always judging somebody. You know, we're judging this one or that one. Or this whole group. You know, we're judging. Uh, A lot of people... uh, judge our church they say you know those baptists i can't stand the baptists and i've had people tell me that and i say have you ever been to a baptist church no but i can't stand those baptists <laughs> what what is it that you don't particularly like about baptists well i i just i just don't even want to be around them you know i just hate baptists <laughs> Have you ever heard that? I have. Uh, these, these portable judgment seats. Uh, we think we are Judge Wapner. Uh, we think we are Judge Jeanine Pirro. We think we are a judge and we can judge everything and everybody. The problem with that is that is it, it's not right. We can't judge anybody. You know, that's in the Lord's hand. There is indeed a moment when verdicts will be reached. That time always comes. Paul is not simply condemning untimely verdicts, but he is thinking about the judgment that will take place at the last day, the day that the Lord shall come. Uh, Verse 5. In view of this last judgment, all human verdicts are really... Out of place. And they're not probably right. Who shall throw light upon the things that are hidden in darkness? Who shall do that? Well, the coming of Christ to judgment uh, will have the effect of throwing light on everything. Everything and everybody. Things that have been kept uh, in the dark. We think we are so clever. We think, you know, I had an affair about ten years ago. Nobody ever found out about it. It was just wonderful, really. Just enjoyed the whole thing. And I didn't get caught. I never got caught. You know, people think that. I've, talk, I've talked to a lot of people in counseling. They'll tell me that. Nobody ever knew. It really wasn't that bad. Well, guess what? The The Lord knew. The Lord knew. Uh, you know, I I was involved with pornography on the Internet. People will tell me that. Say, well, you know, no, it's not real bad. Nobody else ever knows that I'm doing that. Well, God knows. And he's the important one. He's the most important one. People say, well, I stole something or I lied about something. Well, God knows all about that, every bit about it. Nothing, not one thing that we have ever done escapes his eyes. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever see your child do something that was terrible? I mean, just terrible. And you saw them do it. You couldn't believe that they did it. It was horrible. And you, the first thought that went through your mind was, this is my child. Haven't I taught my child better than to do this? This is awful. And my child did it whatever it was. If you hadn't had children, maybe you saw some other child do it and you thought, oh, that's just awful. I can't believe they came from a family and they should have had training and teaching and all of that. Well, you know, we we think that we're going to get by everything. We're not going to get by anything. You know, just as a father perhaps watches his child do the wrong thing, our Heavenly Father Is watching us. He's watching us. And he's keeping track of what we're about. What we're doing. Don't worry, the buses are not going to drive off. I know what time it is. Then each man shall get his just amount of praise, verse 5, from God. Now we all want more praise. I want more, you want more. Everybody wants more praise. Uh, one of the things that I like is when people say nice things about each other on Sunday. I think that's good. I think it helps build us up. You know if you really mean it. I want to uh, close uh, with this. Uh, years and years ago, I did a funeral uh in in uh Fayetteville, Georgia. I was pastoring First Baptist there. Uh, I didn't know the guy that died. Never met him, didn't know him. The family came to me and said, would you preach his funeral? And I said, of course I would. If it would help you, I'd be glad to. So I said, uh, would you all tell me some things? I want to refer to him in the sermon. Would you tell me some things? And they gave me about a half a sheet of stuff. And so, you know, we went through the service, and I said every single thing that the family had told me. And then the funeral was over. And about four people came up to me and said, uh, did you know him at all? (laughs) And I said, no, I had never met him. And they said, well, why did you say all those things? I said, that's what the family told me. And they said, well, it was obvious that you didn't know him. And and then, you know, we had a little kind of a dinner thing there at the church after that was over and went over there. And the whole time I was there, people were coming up to me saying, you didn't know him, did you? I said, no, I, I didn't. I didn't know him at all. Never met him. They said, well, that was obvious. Well. It's not important really what we say. It's important what God says. And that's the message that we want to share. We're going to have an invitation this morning. I hope if you're here, you've never trusted in Christ, that you do it today just like Ashara did. That you would trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you need a church home, we want to open the doors of our church this morning. We want you to come and join with us. Be a part of our family. We'd love to have you. We'll be nice to you. We really will. We'll be nice to you. Uh, we'll, we'll give you uh, food and drink. I mean, we're nice. Baptists are nice people. I don't care what they say. <laughs> we have some great cooks in this church. All right. We're going to have an invitation. Now, if the Lord's leading you, don't hold back for crying out loud. Just let go. Let God have his way in your heart and life. Let's stand together.